Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It is my pleasure to welcome Steve Richmond to the podcast. Welcome, Steve. Good morning, James. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. And for those that may not be familiar with your background, you are a founder and CEO of Project Tech. You guys provide IBM Maximo as a service. You're on the Forbes Technology Council as well as having a degree in mechanical engineering. Although super brief, what can you tell us about yourself and Projectech? Well, Projectech was founded in 1990. Uh, The company name comes from the conjunction of uh, technical projects. And uh, those many years ago, we were focused primarily on building automation systems, energy management, things of that sort. And it has evolved over the years and, uh, we find ourselves today in the enterprise asset management space, uh, providing it as a service. All right, excellent. So needless to say, you've been involved with CMMS's EAM systems for quite a while then. That's correct, probably uh, 30 years if I were to go back that far. All right, excellent. So you provide IBM Maximo as a service, but what is Maximo? Is it a CMMS? Is it an EAM? And if it's not both, what's the difference between them? Well, um, certainly Maximo would be considered an EAM. And when you get the large um, consulting, consultancy groups together, such as Gardner, uh, they're going to refer these types of products as enterprise asset management products. They began as computerized maintenance management systems back in the 80s. Um, I think as they grew into a more robust solution and uh, the functionality expanded and they became more robust, I guess is a good word. The, uh, the name changed. I, uh, I remember at the time thinking it was more of a marketing term than any um, solid descriptor, but I think there certainly is a difference between something that's enterprise enabled versus something uh, a little more shop floor focused. All right. Excellent. Now, one of the questions I get asked on a regular basis is, do we need an EAM to manage our maintenance and reliability program? Can't we just do it on cards and Excel spreadsheets? Well, certainly some people have tried, and I was one of those folks back in the day. I I do believe the old um, the old axiom serves well that you can't manage what, what you can't measure. And in terms of uh, measuring information, there's just simply too much of it practically speaking, to try to do it by hand. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with once you start looking at resources, parts, all these other things, it just becomes way too big and complex. There's just a lot of data that needs to be managed and maintained, James. Absolutely. Now, how does an EAM help with improving reliability? Well, I think you have to begin um, with reliability and understand what that is or what that means because it means different things to different people. But certainly once you have defined what it is, uh, reliability means to your organization, 
I think it's a matter of identifying the right data points to uh, to monitor to ensure that you reach that goal. And um, you know the, the products that we're talking about here today were were designed and built for exactly that purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're 100% right on with reliability means different things to different people. For some, it's uptime. Some, it's, you know, probability of failure-free function over a period of time and so on and so forth, right? And understanding that, then we can set up the EAM to better support us in that activity. That's exactly right. You know, what is the role of data within the EAM and improving reliability. Is that data important? What data should we be looking for? That type of thing. Yeah, I think that's the big question, James, is there's all kinds of things that we can measure and monitor. And um, ultimately the question is, should we? There are some data points that really have little bearing on reliability. And um, while the collection of data has you know a cost associated with it, uh, the storage data also costs money as well, and, and data storage prices are, are cratering. Nevertheless, uh, keeping track of insignificant data is, is not what we're about. I think you need to hone in on key points, uh, key measurements, um, things that support your uh, your KPIs, or your key performance indicators, and that's the information you want to keep track of. Absolutely. Just because you can collect it doesn't make it make it meaningful, if you will. We agree, sir. So how do we ensure that that accurate that we're the data that we're picking is accurate within the CMMS? I see a lot of organizations that struggle with data quality, data accuracy. How do we fix that? Well, that's a deep and broad subject, James. And I am of the uh, I am of the opinion that as much machine generated data as you can gather is your friend. Um, One of the challenges we've had over the last 30 years is that uh, we allow the human intervention with the collection and recording of data, and that leaves it up to interpretation. And, uh, you know, sometimes what you measure is what you get and uh, just human factors that uh, enter into the equation. If, um, if it, on the other hand, we're collecting data from sensors electronically, we're letting our machines tell us their conditions and we're collecting that stuff in that fashion, I find it to be a lot more believable, a lot more accurate. All right, so if we can have machine-provided data that eliminates interpretation, potentially fat fingering, and some other aspects there. So if we can rely on that, that's the way we want to go. I would prefer that whenever possible, yes, sir. All right, excellent. Now, what type of information can we pull from the EAM to improve reliability if, we provi- if we've been providing good data so far? Well, certainly just the, uh, the information about assets as they compare to one another, typically in a manufacturing or a generating environment, depending on the business that you're in, you're going to have similar assets. And oftentimes you'll have numerous assets of exactly the same uh, size, manufacturer, quantity, and comparing their reliability alongside one another is a great place to start. Sometimes the um, the reliability of an asset will have to do with uh, something as as strange as maybe its location or um, or uh, how it was piped or how it was wired versus um, its counterparts. So just being able to compare similar uh, assets uh, alongside of one another over a period of time is valuable. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out Iridicio's IBL blended learning for maintenance and reliability professionals. 
This SMRP accredited project-based curriculum will take you through all aspects of a maintenance and reliability program and provides you with all the tools you need to generate a 30 times return on investment for your organization and a set of credentials from the University of Tennessee for you. You can find out more at ibltraining.com. So we're, what we really want to do is being able to compare our fleets of assets and look for differences and potentially process-related issues, installation-related issues, those sorts of things. That way we can learn from everything, correct? Absolutely. It's a learning experience and it's a, it's a journey. It absolutely is. Now, speaking of journey, how long does that typically take from when we put in, start collecting good data to when we can start looking at important information like that? That's a tricky question. I mean, depending on the business you're in, the type of data you're collecting, uh, some systems can be putting out useful information in a few weeks. But more often than not, you need larger data sets and and bigger sample sizes to be able to make definitive uh, decisions about what needs to be done. All right. Excellent. Now, aside from providing data and information, how else does the EAM help us improve reliability? Well, I think there's a discipline around being conscious of, of, of the fact that reliability is important in our organization. And I think the, the systems themselves, when used by the, uh, the employees and, and the resources around them, give us a discipline about you know, what it is that we need to be doing and what it is we need to be watching. It's an awareness that comes from having the system. All right. Excellent. So with that awareness, we can start to see other things. Um, I know a lot of organizations track all their preventative maintenance program and just the simple fact that they can see what's due when it's due helps them complete it, right? Yeah, sure. Resource leveling and scheduling are very important and, and being able to look forward in, in the calendar and, and, and schedule out what you need for a shutdown or, or what needs to be done in the last quarter of the year. Those sort of things are very helpful. Now, you know, with it, with your 30 years experience with EAMs, what mistakes do you see organizations making when they're trying to use an EAM to improve reliability? In the beginning, I think it's, it's around naming conventions and um, locations and defining systems consistently. Um, there needs to be a discipline around, first of all, what you track, but then being able to identify the similarities between those items that are being tracked. There's really, it's very important that there's a similarity in the way we describe these assets. Um, I'm not a fan of uh, smart numbers or, uh, you know, an ID number that tells me where something is or what something is. I would much prefer to have things identified consistently. Um, The systems will tell you where they are. Uh, what their voltages or, or other information that might be important, but trying to build too much into the name is one pitfall. And I, and I think a lack of consistency in naming conventions is another. All right. Yeah, I definitely agree. Naming conventions, whether it's assets, materials, very, very problematic in a lot of organizations that I see. I find that a lot of organizations don't take the time to think through the EAM and what their end goal is and how do they set that up to support that end goal? Kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning, they don't create that linkage. They think the system will just do everything it needs them to do without that forethought, if you will. Yeah, no question about it. And I've seen numerous examples and I'm sure you have too, where dirty data is just, um, it's mind boggling how difficult it can be to clean it up. I did a project with 30,000 item masters 
took a year and a half to get them all cleaned up and organized. So it takes a tremendous amount of time. It's easier to set up the systems beforehand than go back and clean retroactively. Way better to do it in the beginning. We agree completely. Now, what is the one thing you think makes the biggest difference in being successful with an EAM system? Um, I believe involving everybody that has anything to do with the process is important. I don't think uh, EAM should, you know, be run by or owned by a select few. I think everybody needs to be involved in it. And I think everybody needs to have a stake so that um, my job, regardless of what it is that I'm doing, is I benefit somehow from the fact that that system exists and that we're feeding good information into it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's got to be linked to that. Now, if you had a magic wand, what is the one thing you would change in a typical EAM implementation? The simplification. I mean, we touched on it a little bit with naming conventions, but uh, I I mean, we're seeing more and more of these products uh, offered up as a service. And that in of itself is a huge help in moving systems forward. I mean, years ago, you would buy um, software and you'd get a box of CDs and they had to be loaded and servers had to be connected and, and all that fun technical stuff. And most of that's gone with as a service today. But making the systems a little more consistent and simplification, uh, whether it's naming conventions or location connect, uh, conventions. The other thing I think, uh, James, is really important is that these systems can't be silos. You don't want that information uh, to reside in only one location. The integration of your EAM up over to other systems, whether they're process systems or HR, finance, whatever business you might be in, uh, the integration of these systems is um, is vital over time. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing, too, that I see is that with EAMs, it might be led by IT with minimal input from the maintenance group or the reliability group. And as a result, not all the features, functionality are turned on or stuff's not laid out in a way that's going to enable that improved reliability in the future. Yes, sir. We agree. I'm much happier to see EAM or CMMS systems owned and operated by the business units as opposed to IT. I look to IT for quality and and security. Yep, absolutely. It's that partnership that we really got to get to make this successful, I believe. We agree, sir. Now, what is the one action you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? What do you want them to do different, go ask about, learn about? What do you think? I think it's using the tool uh, an EAM system is, is a tool like any other tool, whether it's a meter or a hand tool, and it, it, it needs to be exercised. You need to use it, uh, learn as much about it as you can. I believe strongly in networking with other users of the same products so that you can uh, learn from one another. Uh, we have a community called More, M-O-R-E, More Maximo, and it's an online community. It's wide open, but it's a place for people to go and share information and ask questions and, and learn from one another. It's an education, and again, I, I believe this whole thing is a journey. It's not a race. Absolutely. It definitely is a journey. It takes time to build the systems, get the processes, get good data, all those things, and then actually being able to use that information. Yes, sir. Steve, what are your favorite resources where people can learn more about EAMs, Maximo, those types of things? I know you mentioned more, so I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, but what else do we got out there? 
Um, I think there's a number of, um, you know, reliability-based organizations out there that have, you know, tons of good quality information, reliability web, and there are others. All right. Excellent. Now, Steve, where can people find out more about you, Maximo as a service, all these other great things? I have a fairly um, uh, well-done LinkedIn presence, James, so I think that the easiest place to run me down would be through LinkedIn. And um, from there, you can get to our company website or the Moore community or reliability um, in general. There's there's plenty of links and plenty of information uh, that comes out from there. All right. Excellent. I will put make sure to put links to all those in the show notes. Well, Steve, any other thoughts on EAMs before we wrap up? No, I certainly appreciate you taking the time today to speak with me, James. It's been very, uh, very interesting. Thanks. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much and have yourself a great day. You too. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.